Hi, you're listening to Barely African. It's about to get real messy. So grab a bucket and a mop for this wet ass podcast. Welcome to another episode of Barely African. I'm your host, Makuka. And I'm your host, Diana. And today we have a special guest. Actually, you better honor this person. This is D Matthews. Wagwan. Wagwan. I feel like we should just pause with like all the screaming girls right now. Yeah. Like permission to scream. <laughs> yeah. Are you done screaming? No, they're not done. <laughs> okay, they're done. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I think he is our first, our second creative guest, but our first musician guest apart from myself. <laughs> our first <laughs> our first musician guest so this is pretty exciting yeah it's a pretty special moment yeah i'm so happy that you could share this moment with us thank you i appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit about yourself d matthews right um well as you all know my name is d matthews um that's my stage name uh i'm an afrobeat afropop artist uh with a few strings of rap as well um i've been in the music game for about three two to three years roughly um yeah and um you know my music career has been taken off gracefully uh and i appreciate all my fans out there um yeah yeah that's basically just about it <laughs> yeah and just like dan and i and a lot of our listeners you're a third culture kid as well um do you do you know what a third culture kid is of course yeah oh yeah cool so Tell us a bit about your third culture story. Like, how old were you when you moved to New Zealand? Uh, and where are you from? Yeah, I'm from Nigeria. Hometown, hometown, Ibadan. Uh-huh. Get that clear in your heads. <laughs> um, I immigrated from Nigeria to New Zealand when I was about six years of age. So I was, I was fresh, you know, um, I kind of, yeah, I was, I was a little kid. I was a little dangling little kid. <laughs> Didn't, you know, just wanted to, you know, uh, see what's going on in life. So yeah, 30th of May, I left Nigeria straight through to New Zealand. Um, and I've been basically living in New Zealand for the past, you know, 14, 15 years of my lifetime. Yeah. Uh, stayed in Australia for a wee bit as well. Um, school like there. Before you came to New Zealand, or after? No, no, no. I I came to New Zealand during that time, and uh, I believe about five, six, no, seven to eight years later, um, I went to Australia in Brisbane, um, precisely to stay and you know did did a few of my education there as well. Um, not you know music as I just started about two three years ago, but yeah, yeah, and then from Australia I went back to New Zealand and found found a better lifestyle i guess yeah. well what made you leave new zealand and go to australia was it like family like did your parents move there or did you just decide to just go to australia for a holiday and loved it and stayed there yeah so like my mom um left from new zealand to australia uh working there as a nurse and she's been doing this for about 30 something years of experience so um my father was still in new zealand so I left with my mother, with my second older brother as well. Um, and we've been staying there, you know, did a little bit of education. And then I had to come back to New Zealand and just, you know, spend some time with my, my father as well. Yes, yeah, just basically been a, been a home for me, Aotearoa. I always find it interesting that most of our mums are nurses. Mm. <laughs> your mum's a nurse. There's just the something. Yeah. <laughs> my mom's a nurse producer Al's mom's a nurse that's crazy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but but in saying that like they could be nurses but with different segments different oh, departments yeah. you get what i'm saying yeah yeah but i mean i appreciate nurses out there um adore them to the to the bits because they they care for us and you know you know uh make us live essential <laughs> yeah. workers yeah yeah without nurses or doctors i don't know if some of us would still be alive you know yeah. but we just thank god you just have to be grateful yeah um so what was your experience like moving to new zealand so young like what were some of the biggest challenges and some of the biggest i guess positives from the experience um Moving from Nigeria 
to New Zealand. Um, obviously, you know, I didn't know much as I was about six, seven years of age, you know what I'm saying? But then there was of like, I remember back in primary school when I used to live in Manarewa, I won't really say the name of the, of the primary school. Say but, it, say it, say it. <laughs> no. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I used to skill in, um, I used to be in primary school in Manarewa and I would, like obviously with my black melanin skin, I would, you know, go to the playground when it's recess time, obviously, and, you know, want to, you know, join up with a few of my colleagues, right? But then at the same time, a lot of occasions, I'd I'd want to, you know, like put out my hand and say, hey, what you doing today, sort of thing, and want to pot tally up with someone else. But then they'll look at me and just run away. Do you get what I mean? Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. And, and that made me, like, rage. Yeah. You get what I mean? That made me uh, someone who got really aggressive. I threw a lot of tantrums back in those days. On different occasions, I'd see people running away. I'd see, you know, uh, kids going to tell their teachers and saying, hey, look at that black boy, you know, what's he doing over here, sort of thing. And I'd feel inferior of myself. But then at the same time, I would, like, create a sort of, like, bad, you know, rage that no one could even, like, control. Do you get what I mean? Because of all that that I felt around my surroundings and my environment. So that made me rage for about, you know, uh, five, six, seven years, you know. Um, And... (laughs) I mean, as time has gone, you, 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 you mature with it, you get what I mean? But during those times, it was crazy because there was a lot of bullying, there's a lot of, you know, things of what I just said right now, and that made me rage, but I've, I've grown out of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, with all the conversations we've had together, like, producer Al, Dan and I, like, we all experienced, like, racism after we left mm. our home mm. countries. Mm. Mm. And, like, it sounds like, you had the same experience well a little bit a little bit a few glimpses here and there um but the most classified um one would be um people running away and just you know thinking i'm not a part of them yeah like i'm not a human being do you get what i'm saying i Um, had a similar experience growing up because when i moved to new zealand um i moved to st helia's and a lot of people there hadn't actually like seen a lot of black people before. So like either the kids would like cross the road or like when me and my brother were walking to school, we'd ha- we'd get stopped by every single white person oh, being like, crazy. oh my gosh, where are you from? So it was quite a lot, like we felt very visible. And what I wanted to ask you, I guess, going to school like out in Rewa, um, cause obviously like my experience was in East Auckland where it was quite white. And I guess like the further south you go, I guess the browner it gets. So um, I found it interesting how even though I guess you're in a in a neighborhood that's kind of used to like not seeing a lot of white people, you still kind of encountered a lot of difference. Especially I guess because in South Auckland I feel like they've adopted a lot of American black culture and oh, they yes. already have this oh, yes. perception of who you are. Oh yes. oh yes. And when you kinda of don't match up to that they're like, What the heck? Mm. So yeah, I just um found but, that really interesting. But that is now. You get what I mean? There's there's like a there's like a time yeah. with it. Because back in those days, nobody knew black color. Maybe not. Maybe they did, but not as much. Yeah. But they now, they saw it on TV. Yeah, they they saw it on TV and just like, oh, I like this guy. But you see them in person, it's a different story entirely. <laughs> yeah. You get what I'm saying? But now it's it's just starting to uh, phase away. You get what I mean? Every yeah. like most most um, dark skin color are starting to feel appreciated. You know, by other people as well, which is great. Uh, I you know. Um, just treat people like human beings. That's how it should be. It makes the world go around. Love. Did you have a lot of um, African people around you when you were growing up? Um, no. Uh, most people were white kids, you know, um, but I still didn't find my placement. Yeah. You get what I mean? Um, as, as time passes, I'm starting to, you know, feel loved. You get what I mean? Uh, with other races as well, which which is great. But yeah, growing up, nah, nah not, not really. Um, like in, in saying this, uh, 
back in the days i was i was uh, i i raged a lot <laughs> when i say raged i mean like i i threw a lot of tantrums but um yeah, as I said, like, you, you mature from that, you know? Do you feel like part of that was, I guess, you were going through a lot of these things that had, like, a lot to do with your race and you didn't have a lot of people around you who you could go to to express those frustrations so they kind of, like, manifested themselves in different ways in your life? Like, do you think if you'd had a, a lot of, like, more African people around you, you would have been able to kind of process those emotions and those experiences a correct. bit better? 120% correct. Um... As, as what you just said, if there was a lot of Africans, obviously we might not be able to think the same way. You know, our characters are definitely not the same. <clears throat> you get what I'm saying? Yeah. But the fact that we have come from the same place, from the same continent, I can be able to understand how this guy is feeling and he can yeah. be able to understand how I'm feeling. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Because, like... Our, our our mind frame like might not be the same but you you would be able to gravitate yeah. to, to understand where I'm coming from yeah. even if it's like 60% over 100 because you've been from there you've yeah. you know what it is do you get what I'm saying yeah. so yeah uh, I mean I'll, to answer that I would feel I'd say yeah it's a lot to process as like a kid like you move to a country and all of a sudden you stand out and like yeah. you don't know how to like process those feelings. Mm. Mm. It's almost like you, you have to figure out how to act. Yeah. And I guess also trying to figure out like what it means to be African when you don't have a lot of those influences around you. Mm. Like, cause I, I, I know for me, because I didn't grow up a lot around a lot of African people. Now I feel really kind of, conscious of like my Africanness yeah. and when I meet somebody who like is really in tune with it and who has you know grown up there and spent a lot more time there I'm always like oh like I feel like I'm gonna get caught out for like ah you're not African mm, <laughs> you know mm, so mm, yeah totally, totally and for me you've always kind of struck me as someone who's super confident in, in who you yeah, are yeah in, in your Africanness in your Nigerianness so yeah I just wanted to see like What's your what's your experience been like kind of growing up, coming from where you come from, moving to New Zealand? Like what's your relationship been like with your with your Nigerianness? To cover that part, I would say my mother has been the great inspiration towards my success. Mm. Shout out to African women! Yeah, shout out, to, shout out to African mothers out there. <laughs> I appreciate y'all and I will always appreciate y'all. Should like I was I was in my mother's womb for nine months. You know, she carried me for nine months. Like, she birthed me. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, all that stress, I don't take for granted. You get what I'm saying? Um, growing up wasn't easy. As I said earlier, I was raging because of all the bullies and, you know, the kids that didn't want me around. You get what I'm saying? So, like, my father was not there all the time as well, even like, like even when I was a kid, you get what I mean? Mm. So that's why most of the time I would run to my mother because she was the one that appreciated me more. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And for me to erase her out of my life would, would be like correctly like bad. You get what I mean? And like, I'm 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 run out of my, my yeah yeah, um, but like you know that that brought me a lot of confidence yeah. in what I do because she's confident herself. Yeah, <laughs> you can yeah. imagine a nurse working eighty hours a week. Yeah, you get what I mean. Yeah. A, a nurse working eighty hours a week, not a man, a woman, you know. On top of everything on top else of she everything has to else. do. You get what I'm saying? On top of yeah. three three other three kids. Not three other kids, three kids. You get what I'm saying? That 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 shit was crazy. Yeah. You know? Like I, I wasn't living with her most of the time. Like um because I was being a hoodlum, you know, in the streets back in the days as well. No father. Mother was in Australia. I was here in New Zealand. That made me a crazy hoodlum. 
I was being a nuisance on the streets. You get what I'm saying? Because you had all this so much time to yourself. Correct. It's the cause trouble. But like... <laughs> <laughs> Comedy troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> but, but in saying that, like, I've been living with my uncles, living mm. with aunts, living with, you yeah. know, like different people from my extended family. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's kind of what made me who I am with my mother's input as well, you know, her confidence. You get what I'm saying? Just about to ask you, how did you go from the from that like, I guess, troublemaker and hoodlum to this to positive this, yeah. you know, beacon of light like we see in front of us. I I tell you what, I tell you what. Um, you're shining <laughs> always I took his sunglasses off and I'm like oh yeah. god <laughs> it's, too, it's too bright it's on <laughs> um, well like I was I was in Australia um, and I was still passing on passing on a lot of hoodlum activities as well but then my mom came up with the initiative she was just like man <laughs> with the way this boy is going no <laughs> Hey, he's going. He's going to do something crazy that everybody will know. <laughs> because you know, like the African mothers, they'll be like, hey, "I don't want my child to go to jail, lo. <laughs> I don't want my child to go to jail, lo. You understand? <laughs> because obviously, who wants to know a parent um, that has a child that has been to jail? Mm. As an African mom, do you get what I'm saying? She needs her bragging rights for her. You get what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So, so she she had to come up with the initiative. Oh man, with the way this child is going, he's gonna he's gonna put a bad stigma upon our family name. So she had to take me down to to the roots, like to the ghetto in Nigeria. Oh, she oh, wow. she took she you back. That. She did that. Oh, oh my god, that's wow. like the threat that's everyone the threat. gets. It's like I will send yeah, you she, back to Africa. <laughs> She didn't just take me, she she tricked me as well. When I was a little kid, she tricked me because I was a hoodlum. I, I, I was smart being that as well. You get what I mean? So how old were you when you went back? Yeah, 12, 13 years of age, about that. And then I stayed in Nigeria for about... Yeah, I stayed in Nigeria for about five years. And then I came back to New Zealand. So... That oh that oh my god you know you know when you go to Nigeria to learn to to learn some <laughs> some crazy beating when they beat when they slap you left and right <laughs> when, when your uncles are to slap you left and right and they beat you they they whip out the cane you know the canes right <laughs> they whip out the they, they bring out the cane and they beat you uh, uh you will, you will not you will forget your life <laughs> I just I just want to understand how she pulled that off. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know, but respect to my mom. I don't know how she put that off, but respect to my mom. Well, like I can tell you love your mom like um on your EP there's my I think mama. that yes, my mama. My favorite song on your EP. Thank like you. you can just tell like this Appreciate guy that. loves and appreciates his mom. Mm. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't? She brought to the life. Not, she I'd, carried you for nine months. I'd personally say if you don't cherish like your mum or adore her yeah. or both of those things, you're actually stupid. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? You are very, very stupid. Yeah. Because she she like what if she aborted you? Mm. Do you get what I mean? Like you're gone, that's it. But she brought you to life. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? And not just that, like, she put the hard work in, she put Correct. the blood, sweat and t- Correct. tears. Correct. Like, no. she spent time, she worked hard to put a roof over your head Correct. and Correct. still kind of raised you to be a great person. Correct. Yeah. Like, props. Props to your mom. Thank you. <laughs> props to her. <laughs> and if she's listening, thank you, mama. Yeah. Another thing about African moms, for all of us kids who came here, the mom, mom had who to came come first. Yeah, it was the mom who came first. The nurse. <laughs> because of, yeah, yeah, because of that. Yeah, yeah, because the nurse. It's kind of like a default in the African community. Being a nurse is kind of like the default thing mm. that people do. Like, yeah, everyone becomes a nurse. Like, that's just it. Yeah. But in this case, it's also like to come here. 
all this great and wonderful stuff that all our dads did not saying that they were they're not you know what their work was important but their work was important but all that great and wonderful work that they did as well was when you're applying to come to another country like you coming from africa to new zealand it's not considered one of the things like oh yeah we need more of you mm. but nurses are always in demand and that's why mm. in most cases all of our moms are nurses because of that that because they were nurses they could they were seen as oh you're a nurse so we need more nurses sure you can come to new zealand you can you, you know you, you can move here yeah and then the rest of us came our moms are bad. <laughs> Badass. <laughs> bad. So, so I guess kind of flowing on from that, when did music become a factor in your life? When did you fall in love with music? Ooh, uh, music has been inbuilt, to be frank with you. Um, I kind of didn't realise from the time I was in Nigeria. Um, so for me, I, I'm, I'm quite spiritual. I'm a Christian myself. Um so back back in Nigeria, uh, my parents would go to church, you know, you know, bring us kids. Is a must you go to church? <laughs> <laughs> you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we'd go to church, you know, but like from what I've heard so far from my brothers, they'll you know always tell me um, I'm just always this quiet person you know when i get to church i'd never talk i'd never shout you know <laughs> like you oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what that's true. the first time i met d matthews was at church at my friend's church remember i believe so <laughs> <Yeah>. forgive me <laughs> i believe so <laughs> forgive that? me man forgive me it was uh we were, I was a bridesmaid and you were a groomsman. Yes. yes. And we were dance partners. Yeah. But yep. before yep. we started Correct. practicing, when I got there, you were practicing choir. Correct. That's when I first met Correct. you. Correct. Yeah. He's quiet at church. <laughs> He's a good God-fearing I, I man. Try. <laughs> <laughs> I try. But yeah, like, you know, um, they'll, uh, they'll say I'm this, you know, quiet person. Um, I'd never talk, I'd never shout, I'd never scream, da 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 You can more or less say it's being shy, do you get what I mean? But then when I get home, I'd literally like go behind the TV and take a TV cord with my pants, with my underwear. No shirt, no singlet, no nothing, just my underwear. Take the TV cord and start, you know, like walking and running up and down the hallway and what? start singing. Just getting all that energy out. You get what I mean? Just, get, just getting all the energy out. You get what I'm saying? Wow. So all that was inbuilt. It's been like inbuilt in me for such a long time. But mm. nobody saw that. Nobody saw that gem. Nobody saw that that platinum. You get what I mean? Nobody was able to grow that mm. until I got to, you know, New Zealand. I went to high school. Um, shout out to One Tree Hill College. Woo yeah. woo. So I went to Wontreal College and I was a you know, I was a chorister there. Mm. And from then I was like, you know, I started to uplift myself, grow in that. Um a year later when I graduated, I was just like, let me, you know, let me take up music and see how it goes. You know, and during that time, um E Man's one, uh he's a he's a musician as well. Yeah. Um E-Man's one was just like, man, let's, you know, let's let's see if we can do something together. You get what I mean? And then from then, it just started to build up to what it is now. Um, obviously, first year um, was was a bit crazy because everything I know now was is actually self-educated. Yeah. Uh, wow. Nobody taught me what to do. I just started to learn off my feet, um, managing myself, still managing myself, and... Yeah, I mean, shout out to all the independent artists out there Woo-woo. doing the great work. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard out here. It's hard, but, you know, you, you've got to be consistent in a game. But, yeah, you know, that's that's how my music career started to what it is now. And I guess the New Zealand music industry is is quite it's quite difficult. And I guess even more so difficult for, I'd say, um, an African man. How is your kind of experience as an African man shaped... I guess your journey um, in music in New Zealand. Oh, I'm a I'm a common musician that would always love to you know lift my African culture up. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah. if you think about it, the beat you listen to, 
the 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 mixture of different uh color you know that you wear is actually from Africa. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like things are from Africa. You get what I mean? We mm. were from Africa. And I want everybody to please understand that. Yeah. That we were from Africa bef- before, you know, things changed. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, you know, um I love to bring a lot of creativity and diversity to um my sort of brand as well like when it comes to music i don't just make it african culture do you get what i mean that's that's another segment of mm. my brand but at the same time incorporating you know arts uh 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 you know influence mm. into my music as well not just strictly africa yeah. do you get what i'm saying so it's an extension of it's all an the extension parts of yourself. it's an extension you get what i'm saying so like for me it's just all about love it's just all about love like come and enjoy yourself come to a gig come to a performance come and yeah. enjoy yourself you know make the love go around your latest single sunrise mm, mm. i heard you appreciating this beautiful aotearoa yeah yeah and that was nice to hear oh, I, I it's it's just part of me uh paying my due respect i live here yeah um and it's a graceful country yeah you know what i mean Cause like I, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it's so easy to to nitpick at things like oh like this is wrong with this place or like yeah. we're not at a level where we want to be yet. But yeah. like it was refreshing stepping back and hearing like you appreciating like where we live because this is such a beautiful place mm, mm. and Think it's a privilege it. to be here. Oh, you can say that a thousand times. Yeah, I was in Nigeria. And because I, I, I catch up on a lot of um, news on my phone, uh, there's an application that I have. It's called New Zealand Herald. Yeah. I'm sure you guys all know it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, so I saw my notification one time. Uh, I, can't, I can't remember like exactly what it said, but this is what I believe it said. It said New Zealand is, is the second safest country from covid globally i saw that too you saw that too I yeah wow i was like dang yeah we are we are blessed we are you get what i'm saying yeah, and i think we take it for granted like we how do. lucky we are we like the rest of the world is literally <laughs> under siege by a global <laughs> pandemic and where we all we have to do is put on a face mask <laughs> yeah yeah we're super lucky I mean, I got, I got, I got back from you know Nigeria because I was stranded there for you know um, about six months. I got out of quarantine, and all I see is like everybody just well, not everybody because every like most people were just working at home. It was it was blank space in the city. Nobody was in the city, but I could see about like maybe five, six, seven, eight different people without masks. I was like, wow. <laughs> If you look at USA, everybody would have masks. Wow. You get what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's an opportunity and we're definitely blessed. Mm. Really Tell us about that. You went to when did you go to Nigeria? I went to Nigeria um on the eleventh of March. Right, right. Was oh, that right just... at the tipping point? Right in the... yeah. <laughs> was that just uh hot? what were you doing in Nigeria? That that was meant to be a three weeks planned holiday three weeks yeah Damn. but then i got stranded for about six months straight yeah and that six was months that was covid right that was covid all because of covid COVID-19. COVID, damn you damn you 2020 i will never forget <laughs> what was your experience in nigeria like i remember going to malawi after i'd been here in new zealand for like i don't know how many years and then i went back for the first time and that was it was a trip apart from it being literally a trip but going back was a trip <laughs> how was your experience going back what, how did I mean, you feel what did it look like for the first like three weeks <laughs> i enjoyed my life <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed my life. <laughs> no be smarty. You should know. As an Nigerian guy, we like to chop. Just chop suya, chop drink, chop, you know, chop anything you see. You understand? Chop money, chop anything. You know, like a lot of people just like, hey, bro, give me some money. I gave them like two times the money. You know what I mean? Just spending like a king, man. You get me? 
But then, you know, uh, my flight got canceled. <laughs> and I was like, uh, what's going on? <laughs> so within that three weeks, yeah. when did you find out the news that, okay, I'm stuck here? Was it like at the end of your holiday? Was it in the middle of your holiday? It was in the middle of my holiday. Um, it was it was the third week. Like, I think it was on a Monday. So we were supposed to leave on a Saturday or Sunday. I can't really remember. Um yeah, so like we were supposed to leave on like a Monday and then they cancelled our flight on a Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. And I was like, oh, dang. Uh, let me just see if I can, you know, reschedule it. <laughs> and, then, and then I reschedule it about a week later, cancelled again. I was like, damn, shit is getting real. Yeah. <laughs> shit is getting real. <laughs> it's about to go down. <laughs> but then, you know... um, at the same time, that that was like more of a blessing to me, you know, in disguise. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, obviously, I saw a lot of horrible things, you know, um, in Nigeria that shouldn't be said on on mic. But mm. I just thank God to be alive and you know to be um, you know in a, the second safest country globally still. You mm. know what I mean? Mm. Um, it, it's a blessing to be back. You know, I guess most people take being alive for granted. You know, most people take having a leg for granted, having eyes, having, you know, lips for granted. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, for me, whenever I, like, wake up and I'm just about to step on the floor, maybe not every single time, but whenever I remember, which is, like, maybe three, four times a week, you get what I mean? Whenever I, I'm, when I'm about to step on the ground, I, I'm just like, God, thank God for my leg, thank thank God for my eyes. I can see it's a brand, you know, it's a brand new, bright, beautiful day. Do you get what I mean? Mm. But like taking it back to Nigeria, it was it was a lot of like commotion. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, we're very very lucky here in New Zealand, but what was it like? Like, were you in level four? Like, what level were you in? There was in? no level. Were there levels at all? <laughs> this is Africa. There was no level. <laughs> because, like, I, I was here in my little, like, bubble of safety. Like, oh, what level is Zambia in right now? Like, like yeah. and it doesn't always work that way no. in certain parts of the world. <laughs> Some Kuka, people this don't. Is, this is no level. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Yeah. You're one of the, the rare, the very few people on, on this planet who've got a chance to experience what I guess this this pandemic has been like in two different countries. Mm. Two very different countries. Mm. Mm. Uh, Polar opposites. Mm. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So like, I mean, there was like, as I said, you know, in Africa, there's nothing like levels. Like you can imagine like me going to someone and asking, bro, like, why aren't you with your masks? Do you know there's COVID-19 going on? And he'll respond and say, are you mad? What was what's the meaning of COVID-19? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, are you mad? Like, what's, 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 what's the meaning of COVID-19? I'm like, uh, really? Oh, my Wait, God. Wait, you mean some people don't know about COVID? No, they do, but they just ignore it. Ah, oh, it's just not high on the priority like, list. You can literally, you go to, like, the market, lost less like, you know, 10, 15 minutes, you know, away from you, and you'll see like a bunch of like people there, like a crowd, not, not even a bunch, a crowd of people, like a festival, just everybody just selling, buying. But I mean, it, it did get to a point where uh, police officers and SARS, if, if you hear, oh, you hear yeah. about SARS, yeah. And SARS were actually, not not killing, this time they weren't killing or doing anything. Like, yeah, <laughs> but like, you know, <laughs> but like police officers, and SARS were actually like beating people. Oh like, my like, goodness. Like, yeah, like getting like their canes and stuff like that, you know, their weapons to actually like get people to go back in the house. Wow. So that's that's how they could actually manage it. Because wow. obviously, I mean, if you look at the population of Nigeria, yeah. um, I can't remember, I believe it's 20 million or something like, or, or 40 million <laughs> yeah. around around that population. You know, Africa is huge. Mm. Not to talk of Nigeria. Nigeria is flipping huge you get what i mean so like you know that was the only way they could manage it you know um it got to that level where everything was 
being managed properly. But then, <laughs> you know, you know, as Africans, we don't like law. <laughs> we never listen. We are just, we just, we never ever listen. You understand? Sometimes it's not that we don't listen. It's just we we're not as privileged. Like here in New Zealand, we weren't going to work, but most of us were still getting paid, or the government yeah. was helping in some way. Yeah. But in some of our home countries, there's no such thing as government help. Um, you don't get a safety net. No. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I mean, like, people literally live from paycheck to paycheck. And so, if, you, if you're lucky, you will ha actually have your paychecks. But most people, they'll, your... Hands and mouth. Yeah, yeah. Your, your boss will literally tell you, um, this month, because your paycheck is not even <laughs> weekly. Mm. It, it's like, everyone, everyone gets it monthly. So your boss will be like, Damn. this month... You ain't there getting is, paid. You're not getting paid. There's no money. There's wow. no money. Literally. Yeah. And you can't complain to anyone. Yeah. And then that's if you're lucky enough to have a job where you get... If you complain, they will fire you. <laughs> They'll tell you, get out. <laughs> also, most, you have to realize that the, the general population is like... I know, I know so much... But, but I think even in Nigeria, it would be very, very similar. But like the general population is like... People who just survive off of the they land. grow crops yeah. Yeah. and then the they go yeah, they, yeah. they go around and sell it. So you can't that's their only livelihood. But, but, but so in, you in, can't tell them to stay at home mm. during COVID. But but in saying that, when you when you when you have a farm, that is a bunch of money. Yeah. Mm. Oh, so I'm not yeah, talking about, I'm, I'm not talking about like a farm farm. I'm talking about people who have like a piece of land behind their house. Oh, right, right. And yeah. they'll grow like um, vegetables, and then the mother will wake up in the morning. Whatever vegetables you know have have you know can be harvested, she'll get the, put that in a bas in a basket and go down the road knocking on doors. Oh, do you have um, any vegetables? I'm selling these, and and that's like that's mm. literally how people mm. live. Like I remember when we were kids, those ladies will, will come down the road, and it was like. How you hear about like people selling drugs? It's like, oh, this is uh, this is my corner, this is my this is my territory. <laughs> it was literally like that. Like there would be like, oh, this is if if so and so comes around here, don't buy anything from her. She knows this is my territory. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and and literally, your your mom like you'd wake up in the morning, and your mom would look in the fridge or whatever, be like, oh, we don't have tomatoes. Okay, when, when the I'll be I'll be at work, that but when so the lady wrong. comes around, um, here's how much money. Um, can you buy tomatoes and this, this, and that? And that's because that's how that's how people survive. It's hustle culture. It, yeah. It's it's hustle culture. Everybody like the whole country. Everybody's hustling from top to bottom. Mm. So you, it's hard to tell people. Stay home. There's a pandemic. It's like yeah, I'm, a pandemic. Yeah. I'm trying to eat. Yeah, yeah. and. Yeah. No, a lot of the practices um, that you need to kind of manage COVID are a privilege. Like it's a privilege to be able to quarantine, to have, you know, a yeah. place to go, to be able to have that space from people. It's a privilege to be able to not be able to go um, to, to be able to work from home. It's a privilege to be able to wash your hands. Like mm. all of those things are things that, you know, it takes a certain amount of kind of privilege and money to have. And yeah. we take that for granted, especially in New Zealand where we've had it so lucky. Correct. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Correct. I mean, talking about talking about hustle as well. I mean, you can imagine going in the car, you know, because we had like a 2008, um, you know, uh, Hilux uh, that we were in most of the time, and you'd see, um, you'd see most of the, you know, uh, hawkers yeah. on the road in the rain. Yeah, you get what I mean. They would be carrying like five to six tubers of yam, you know, in the rain running you get what i'm saying running towards a car to just buy i never to, understood to how they don't get sick it's part of the hustle honey you, you don't have time to be sick if you're sick today you take panadol or you take paracetamol <laughs> you take you take like one medicine or one you know one like leaf medicinal from the from the from the jungle from yeah. the forest and then next day, you're back on your toes again. You wake up, you must go. It's a must. <laughs> Having said all of that, can we just take a moment and appreciate how the whole entire continent of Africa, with all the, or lack thereof, the resources that we have or may not have, yeah. 
we've been okay in this pandemic compared to everyone else. To America, mm -hmm. to Sweden, uh -huh. to Britain. <laughs> compared to everyone else. I mean, I mean, think about been it. Okay. Are, are you talking about like in Nigeria, in, in like Africa? I mean, talking yeah. about the whole continent of Africa. Oh yeah, in general. Oh, it took yeah. a while to get to Africa as well. It took yeah. a long time to get there. I mean, think think about it. The the first thing that I heard when I because we were watching news, I was watching news like twenty four seven. You get what I mean? I was basically home the whole time. We didn't have much to do. Yeah, yeah, I didn't have much to do. I was waking up, sleeping, waking up, sleep. I didn't have much to do. Yeah. Because uh, I'm a foreigner, although this is my country, but <clears throat> I don't want to get COVID-19, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? <laughs> so I had to be, you know, on my toes, but not on my toes at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, if it was November, December, you know, um, without COVID-19, I would probably have, like, the best, like, year of my life do you get what i'm saying yeah. but COVID 19 time it was crazy back to you know uh my point i was listening to the news watching the news 24 7 and what i heard on the news that's like stood out to me was the actual COVID 19 virus could not spread too much in africa because of the heat and the humidity that we had oh interesting yeah i mean most people would have thought africa is this dirty, stinking continent, which is not. Well, you know, you Africa's responsible for people having soap. Yeah. Like, the Europeans didn't have soap <laughs> before, you know, they colonized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Africa is, like, not this continent that's flourishing with people suffering. You get yeah. what I'm saying? Because yeah. that's what we yeah. see on TV. That's yeah. a really good point you, you made. You get what I'm saying? That's the only thing we see on TV. Media, if you're going to hear this, listen, listen properly to what I'm saying, okay? Because, like, there's so many people coming to Nigeria, coming to, Af coming to Africa, coming to Ghana, you know, coming to, you know, Congo, Togo, different countries in, you know, Africa, because they love Africa. Yeah. You know, there's, it's just like here. Mm. When you go to Otara, it's not a place you would love to be at. You get what I'm saying? No, it ain't. But, <laughs> but I mean, like, I still love Otara. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? But we have this two segments, the 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 not so good part of New Zealand and the good part. Yeah. Which is like the North Shore. That everybody's like, ooh, I love the North Shore. And I wanna <laughs> live in the North Shore, you know, feel like a big dude, you know, big bossy. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. But like it's just what it is. It it's everywhere. It There's is. There's a bad side and a good side. Yeah. And that's why that's what you need to understand. Yeah. That Africa as a continent is not a place of people suffering, mm. of, of torture, mm. or whatever you may call it. Yeah. It's a place of grace yeah. and love. Yeah. But due to the fact of what happened years and years back, which obviously you you know you know whoever's listened to this, <laughs> um, that's what made us who we are today. Yeah. yeah. You get what I'm saying? There's a very famous TED talk um, by actually a female Nigerian author that talks about the dangers of the single story of Africa. And it, it she kind of talks about how every time we hear about Africa, it's about pain, it's about our mm -hmm. suffering. Every time that we're encouraged to talk about our experience as Africans, it's always about the pain of being black, about the, the pain of being African. And we're very scarcely asked to talk about the joy of being African and I guess the all the positives that come from it. When I think of my home, when I think of Zambia, I think of so much light, I think of so much energy, I think yeah. of warmth. Even the way you talk, you know, um, it's, it's just colored by just so much life. And I feel like in the media, the story, because we're not in control of our own narratives and because when we do hear these stories about Africa, they're not coming from us, they're coming from other sources, they're coming from white people who benefit off having this negative view of Africa. And some of them have never even been there. Yeah, so I think that was, that was a really good point you raised. And I think that's, that's why it's really important for, I guess, people back, back uh, at home and also here to, to speak about our experiences and to do things like this and to come together and just chat about how freaking amazing it is to be African. Because like, while, you know, we are so lucky that we're in New Zealand, we're also really lucky that we are African because I would not have rather been born anything else. Hell no. So I guess that's, that's another thing I really like about your music. I, I think that it, it does really capture 
that kind of joy and that energy that I think of when I think about, you know, my even my mother and my father and my brothers. Like you, you have that that light. Thank you. That I, I feel when I kind of talk to people from home. Yeah. Appreciate that. Thank you. I feel so good after I listen to one of your songs. Like, that's, I that's just feel aim. like I can feel the good energy coming out of the speakers. I'm like, yeah, I'm set for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm set. I appreciate that. That's that's basically the aim. That's that's the aim of it. Joy, it's you know, just everybody just feeling the vibe and feeling, you know, feeling yourself basically. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, al I've always wanted to ask you, man. What, one of my favorite songs when, when I'm jamming to your music is Pista La Pista. Uh, <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> Pista La Pista is, uh, is like a, it's a, it's a Spanish slang. I kind of can't remember the the meaning of pista la pista, which is not good. <laughs> we'll cut that out, sorry. <laughs> which is not good, but um, yeah, it's just it, the the reason behind um, why I made that track is just to make a dance sort of track. Nice. You know what I mean? Um, nice. And to you know, kind of project project. Uh, a sense of joy you know when people listen to it yeah. you know, as well so yeah i appreciate the fact that you you know um you know <laughs> nice that's dope like because i remember oh man like i can't i can't i can't remember what year that was but we were at the I loft no nah, it wasn't the loft it was somewhere else and you performed that song and that's actually the day that i really got into that song just because of your cassette nine cassette nine Cassette nine, that was it. That's just like that's when I really got into that song because like just seeing you, your energy when you performed that song. Thank you. The whole crowd like getting into it. I was like, man, I never really paid attention to this song, but <laughs> damn, it's German. <laughs> that's the energy. <laughs> for real, for real. What's your um? What are your musical influences? Like like what inspires me, sort of thing. I just gravitate towards what I feel like. The energy that I feel um, during 1 a.m., during 2 a.m., during 4 a.m. in the morning, because that's that's actually those times for me, especially 12 to 2 a.m. in the morning. It's when all the like you get what I mean. Everything is like serene. Yeah. You get what I'm saying. There's no 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 noise. Everything's quiet. You get what I mean. Mm. And I look at the stars, or I look at the moon, or I just like think as if there is no box outside do you get what i'm saying yeah and i just like just think of positive things yeah you know and i start drafting out you know lyrics after lyrics i might not be able to you know give out a full-on lyrics a full-on lyric you know during that time but over time whenever i wake up around that time i will you know get as much inspiration as I can mm. and you know put down what I can think of do you get what I mean and yes. like and like with the with the influences you know like you know people like Whiskey doing the stain uh Burner Boy big up to Burner Boy big up to Whiskey big up to Felakuti Baba Felakuti yes. who passed yes. away in 1997 but with what you were saying as well Makuka you said um my mama you know it's it's a heartfelt song yeah. right that that song i actually made in 30 minutes mm. it always like, not, happens not, not in the way. studio not in the studio lyrically yeah i made that in 30 minutes mm. and then i went into the studio and i did that i think one or two takes i don't know about you but like they're just some songs you write that they just come to you yeah correct. and like the lyrics just flow out correct. of you correct. and when you look back you're like man i actually don't remember consciously writing that correct. it just happened correct yeah correct. I felt it's that scary way a thousand times it's good um yeah. the, like another thing i just wanted to before i forget is do you have that thing where it's there's a certain specific time of day that you are just super creative everything just comes to you yes uh if you're a musician and you tell me that doesn't happen then you're probably not a musician uh, you're not a real me. one it happens to everybody yeah, because I have a specific time and place where I know that at this time, if I go here, everything will just be there. It's Tell us where it is. Mm. Mm. 
Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying. In the shower. It's it's first thing in the morning. It's first thing. If if I just wake up first thing in the morning and go take a shower, I've all of the songs. I would say ninety percent of all the songs that I've written, ninety percent of all the music, even if it's just beats, anything that I've ever come up with, I came up with the idea where if I just wake up first thing in the morning and go in the shower. It's just there. I just have, it's all there. And then after that, I can come in here and then make it come out the speakers. Mm. Mm. For me, it's in the morning. But unfortunately, every morning I have to wake up and go to work. (laughs) (laughs) Nine to five. Nine to five. As a self-managed, self-funding musician... You're your own boss, your own CEO. Are there things that sometimes get in the way of you making your music? Obviously, creativity blockage mm-hmm. is uh, what most, you know, us musicians experience. Maybe not on a daily basis, but, you know, a few a few joints, a few, oh, yeah. you know, segments in life. Mm-hmm. Um, studies as well, I guess, and just basically life, you know, life struggle. But, you yeah. know, just... You just have to hammer it down. You yeah. Know, just making time, you know, and just managing that time is the greatest, you know, the greatest uh, thing for you to do in that sense. That blockage is real. Sometimes it could, like, be weeks. Sometimes it could be months. Sometimes it could be years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember the time when I was doing my EP, I had a lot of lyrical blockage. You know what I mean? Um, it took me about, let's see, about five months, five to six months, roughly, to get my EP done. For me, like, I, the way I have come to accept the blockage is just like, I think it's just my body telling me, like, I need to rest. Like, it actually takes a lot to, like, you're giving out a lot when you're creating, and especially when you're sharing, like, all these personal moments with people. Like, it's a lot. And you can't pour from an empty cup. Man, man like D. Matthews knows nothing like rest. <laughs> There's nothing like rest in my dictionary, <laughs> my guy. <laughs> nah, not at all. Maybe, maybe when I'm um, uh, preparing for an album, I don't know when. Mm. I don't know if I'm gonna do it. I don't know if you know. I might not. You get what I mean? Yeah. But like, if I'm preparing for an album. Um, or maybe after my, you know, uh, album, I would definitely have to rest. That is when I know what rest is. <laughs> yeah. Even even with my EP, you know, for last year, I I took a like I took a whole distance from life and music and everything. Mm. Although you know I had uh, life haunt me uh, down the drain a little bit because I did a little. I won't say a little. I did a surgery last year. It got me down for like four months. Yeah, oh, yeah. I did. I did a lot of. Yeah, it, it was crazy. Right, that was like right after my EP release party. Yeah, things got me down, but you know we're back here, baby. Never forget D Matthews. <laughs> whoa, whoa. Yeah. Well, like for me, resting doesn't necessarily mean like like you stop making music or stop making art. Sometimes, like for me personally, resting is just not giving myself like deadlines because that's stresses me out yeah so for me resting is just i'm just gonna listen to music as a listener and not as a creator and i'm going to like appreciate actually appreciate music as a listener and not as a creator yeah because they are two different things it's interesting you talk about kind of how you can't create when you're tired because for me like I used to work in advertising and I had to be creative for a job and there were days where I was given a brief and I had to deliver and I didn't have any ideas and like you can't switch on or switch off when you are creative Mm. so I had to kind of learn how to kind of harness that energy when I wasn't feeling it like there were days where you know I'd work like an eight hour day and then my creative director would come to me and he'd be like I need 50 ideas by tomorrow and I'm like I'm tired I've got this and I feel like sometimes when you're creating, you hit this wall. 
and you get all your ideas, like all your kind of good surface level ideas, and then you hit this wall, and it's only when you get over that wall where you get all these amazing kind of golden gems, mm. and after that you're like in the promised land, but it's a real big struggle to get past that wall yeah. and break it down. Al, like producer Al tells me that all the time. But I'm like, I don't know how to get over the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think that creativity is a muscle, just like any other muscle in your body. Mm. And you kind of have to exercise it. There will be times like you've, it, you know, it's like when, when you go to the gym, you, you start off doing all these reps and you're good. And then you get to that point where you're like, it hurts. I don't want to do this anymore. That's the point where your muscles are gonna grow. Yeah. You have to push. Pa- if yeah. you don't push, if you don't push past that, if, if, if you put everything down, <laughs> pressure makes diamonds. Pressure makes diamonds. Come on, it's makes like, platinum. It's like uh. if, if, if you go to the gym and you get to that point where it's like it hurts and like nah, I'm gonna stop going to the gym now. I'm gonna go after a week when I've stopped when it stopped hurting. Yeah. You'll find that you you keep going. You you're not you're not actually growing. Yeah, mm. and I feel like creativity. Your brain. Well, I shouldn't say creativity. Exactly. I should say that your brain. Yeah, exactly. Your brain is a muscle, and you have to exercise it mm. the same way. At that point, where it's like, it's it's getting hard. Yes, push, get pa- like push through that. Push. And, yeah, like. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like with with creatives, there is this kind of connotation that to be creative, you is to, to know suffering. You have to suffer in order to be a good artist. When you look at all the kind of great artists... Uh-huh. It's you a lot easier, so far, man. <laughs> your first year of music, you will so far. It's to write ah. when you're sad. <laughs> but I feel like, well, there is some truth to that. I feel like mm. that's a really dangerous attitude to have because, I don't know, art isn't just about suffering and, and, and that's not how greatness is made. And it's, it's nice to listen to music that is about, that comes from joy, that comes from a good place. Yeah. I want to cry all the time. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. But then is just, I mean, just like, sorry, I'm just going to say two cents. Mm. Just like um, what we all said, you know, pressure makes diamonds. You get what I'm saying? So like, personally, the way I like to think is like that. Do you know what I mean? So obviously, my first year in my music career was was like stressful. You get what I mean? Because as I said, you know, I had to self-educate myself and know the logistics behind music. I might still not know it all, but it's still something. And right now, I'm still, you know, stressed with everything going on. But it's just about that consistency, baby. Yeah. You get what I mean? It's that persistence. It's it's either you, you want to make this work or you don't. Because if it was easy, everybody would do it. Yeah. But it's not easy. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? That's why I always go back to my word and say, pressure makes and stress diamonds. makes diamonds. Since I left home, I was stressed, 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 stressed. And I've gotten to a point where, like, pressure does make diamonds. And that's how I've lived my life until this year like the pre i can't stand the pressure this year like i don't want to fight no more i don't want to fight no more <laughs> i don't want to fight year. no more yeah and what i'm trying to learn this year is i feel like sometimes as black women black people just humans in general we we are always fighting we always yeah. we always put going against the current yeah. like fighting some battle and for me this year especially i just can't like even yeah even doing really simple tasks has been very hard so i'm gonna have to pressure make diamonds next year because this (laughs) year let's go baby let's go let's go this year i just need to flow like a river Mm. Mm. you know yeah take your time yeah I need some time and space to work on my mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, another question I had for you, David, is so what's dating like as an artist? How many holes in your deep? <laughs> Let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, I personally believe having, having to wait 
for a genuine wife is the goal. Oh? Because okay. I personally feel like, I mean, I'll get back to the question. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> having, to, having, to, having to, you know, have a girlfriend and then six months down the line, you guys break up. The relationship you guys had before, why don't you keep it? Do you get what I mean? Like, what happened? Mm. That's why you got into that relationship, because you wanted to, you know, be each other's lovers, right? Yeah. yeah. Forever, right? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, there's no point in having to have a girlfriend and having to ditch her down the drain, like, mm. six, seven months having like an expiry later. Do you get what I'm yeah. saying? So, I personally believe, you know... Uh, the real goal is to have a wife. Are you saying you're waiting for that one? I am. Oh, well, if you if you say the one, there's there's actually oh, nothing someone. like the one. <laughs> someone. Someone. Exactly. You get what I mean. So ladies, get in line. Get information. Uh, <laughs> you heard it right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying. But like for me, I'm just looking for a wife. Yeah. I'm looking for the like not the chosen one, the, but D1. Mm. You get what I'm saying? There's nothing like perfect. Yeah. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. You know? Like, but that's close enough. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Close enough. You do. So what do you look for in in a woman? Mm. Ooh. Um, first of all, is she God fearing? Mm. I'm a I'm a I'm a spiritual kind of guy. So first of all, is she God fearing? Second of all, uh, you know, does she have a good character? Can I take her to my parents? <laughs> Can I take her to my mom? It's not that I, you That's know. African mom test. Exactly. <laughs> it's not that I take you to, you know, the presence of my mom, and then your mom, uh, my mom is like calling me to the kitchen and saying, "Are you stupid? <laughs> <laughs> Are you stupid? Probably, probably getting, probably getting like a like a frying pan to." You know, to dump on my head. Like I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, like like I'm not thinking properly. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So like character, you know, the second one for me as well. Third, um, your personality. Can I take you out? You know, with a couple of my, you know, my friends. Can we go out to, you know, have fun? Are you going to chat or are you just going to stay with me 24/7 and not chat? Yeah. Like, you, like, I need to see a little bit of action as well. You, you get what I'm saying? Like, you can't be, you can't be shy 24-7. Yeah. Like, you have to come out of your shell and, you know, get exposed to a few things, you know? Sounds like you, you want a woman that is strong in who she is. Yeah. Strong strong as well is, is another part. Yeah. I was, I was going to mention that, but, yeah, good good point. Yeah. Four levels to pass. Yeah. Fearless. Yeah. Fearless. You want to make it to, to wife. <laughs> yeah. I mean... So, ladies, start yeah, working on yourselves. You just gotta have standards, baby. Is it <laughs> is it harder to find somebody who, I guess... Likes is, you for you yeah, and not... You and not for the clap. Yeah. You just have to be woke. And if you're not woke, I'm sorry, man. Mentally, you have to be woke. You yeah. need to understand what girls want. You need to understand... Yeah how they work yeah. the logistics behind be, behind ladies yeah. you get what i mean if you don't then i'm sorry you're just gonna get drowned away <laughs> i was just gonna say i feel like deep down something in you always knows like yeah. this is the right person like it doesn't even have to be like um like girlfriend it could even be just friends yeah you know like for example when i started hanging out with diana moore i was like this is my girl Aww. you know what i mean you know all right and um i guess before we talked a little bit about um how you started musically yeah. um where are you going what's your future the future is to get the grammys yes yes that's the future yes to get the grammys to let people know that i am one of the greatest as well that's the future yep amen but obviously uh that's a lot of hard work and I'm ready to take that hard work. Yeah. Which you've been doing, just so people know, 2018 <laughs> single, 2019 single, EP, 2020 single, and another single. So what's happening in... No, 2020 single and another single. Mm, so mm. what can we expect next year? In 2021. Uh, yeah, I'm full of surprises. You, you're just going to have to see. We'll be waiting. <laughs> you just have to see. Full of surprises, baby. 
Let's go. I hope everyone's listened to your music, but for people who want to listen to your music, how can they find your music? If you go on Google, you see my name, D Matthews. If you go on Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, I'm basically everywhere. You can't miss it. He's but, everywhere. But in saying that, you when searching for my music or my brand personally, you would have to put D dot Matthews, just me, D Matthews. You know you made it when you're Googleable. Yeah. <laughs> when you're like, yeah, you actually show up in the Googleable? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a word? <laughs> it's a word now. Very African, we just invented a new word. It's called Google. Oh my god. Google it. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna have to put that on my dictionary. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a that's a that's a crazy that's a crazy uh uh word though. I love that word. Googleable. That should go that should go in the word book of uh Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> that's a mouthy word. Googleable. Googleable. You're gonna use all your mouth for that. Googleable. <laughs> <laughs> Googleable. Googleable. Oh man. Googleable. Thank you so much, D Matthews, for having a chat with us today. My pleasure. And hopefully you come back again. <laughs> you have to come back now. <laughs> In due time. In due time, yes. We got it, we got it on tape. <laughs> so you have to do it now. In due time. So thank you guys for tuning in into another special episode, Barely African, with two beautiful, sexy, lovely ladies, Woo! Diana and Makuka Hope. Thank you so much for having me on. D Matthews. Appreciate you. You've been listening to Barely African with your hosts, Diana and Makuka. We would like to say a huge thank you to Alinafi Kalinga Malero for composing our intro music, producing and engineering this podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify or your favorite podcast app. And follow us on Instagram at Barely African to keep up with all our shenanigans and slide in our DM. With all your questions, ideas and stories. We just might steal them for a future episode. Catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Love you.